I am here with a few amazing female creators. Um, this is part of Live Brooklyn Web Fest connected to the Creator, Path, Creator Cast podcast, where we have been happy to talk with some of our official selections from last year and this year. Um, if I could just have everyone say their name and their show right this way, that'd be great. Product Gang, Subway the Series. Monica West, Best Thing You'll Ever Do. Laura Hankin, Emergency Contacts. Uh, my name is Emma Watts, and the series is No Strings Attached. All right, ladies. So, <laughs> we're going to talk about being ladies and creators. Um, I'd like, okay, so let's, let's be real. Uh, right now is a crazy time. Um, I think that this election season has, yeah. you know, we got our first female candidate by uh, a major party. And um, for me, it's uh, been an experience of like, you know, when uh, I feel like it was like 60 minute showing a black light in a, yeah. uh, in yeah, a hotel and you were like, everything's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> um, this time has felt like feminist issues, feminist issues, there's misogyny out there, there are things that have, uh, I feel like cannot be unseen. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really changed kind of the, the lens I was viewing my own feminism through. Mm -hmm. um, and I've related to myself more as a female creator than last year. And Emma was actually here with us last year on the women's panel. And um, we had a lovely talk, but I think this time, like, let's drill into it. Like, how, how, how do you feel being a female creator? Where do you relate to it? Um, and has anything changed for you? Start with you. Um, well, I think being a female creator, it's interesting because I, my day job, I work in television and I'm a producer director. And uh, I think it's really interesting the roles that women are sort of allowed to have in TV and film and the roles they have not allowed to have. And the thing that I love about web series and web series festivals is that you go along and often there'll be, you know, all female panelists and uh, there's so many directors and producers out there. And I just feel that web series have democratized things for us. They've really opened it up and allowed us not just to be sort of producers, but also directors as well, wherein like, you know, if you're in sort of the television drama field, you might find it really difficult to be a female director. I noticed that when I go to these web series events, so many women are directors. So I think that I find that in the web series space, I feel really positive about where we are today. I, that's why Jane, my co-creator, and I made our show in the first place. We were actors in a play together, the importance of being earnest. Uh -huh. uh, the, the one with roller skates? No, I wish. <laughs> 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 I'm going to And we were doing it in Connecticut, and you know, we loved those parts, but they were still love interests. Uh -huh. At the end of the day, we were talking about how we were going to be coming back to New York, we were going to have to get back into the auditioning field and you know all the notices we received were like must be willing to be naked yeah. no pay you know yeah. stuff like that. Um, and so we were like let's make our own thing and give ourselves a chance to actually be people that we want to be and fully fledged characters yeah um on thursday night i played all four episodes that we've created of this series and um the 
one of the responses that I got, it felt so great because, you know, we're inundated with like what Donald Trump was saying yesterday um, about how, how women can, um, I don't know, just be manhandled by things like that. So we have, you know, we have that out in the world. But there was something beautiful that happened was that um, the, the story that I wrote is about a woman who's in her late 30s who's trying to decide if she wants to have a baby or not. And um, some of the men at the screening were like, I totally related to that. And, and they said, I, you know, I we understand that as women, you've watched men's stories since you could watch TV and appreciated them. Like, I love James Bond movies. Like, I, I love men's stories as well. But the, the fact that it does exist, that men can watch a women's story and be like, I get that. And um, I'm feeling that as well because this guy was like in his 40s and kids. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. I just feel like web series is such a natural fit for women creators because um, naturally we're just supposed to, I guess, we grow up to be multitaskers. So, especially web series being the light, you're the director, the producer, the wardrobe, the casting, you know, and we can do it while we're sick. And, um, and also, the industry is definitely run by men, you know, with the studio heads to get approval for like TV shows and film, but where web series, you don't need approval because the internet's so much yeah, that's great. And actually, that goes into my next question, um, which is: I felt that each of your stories uh, had a unique feminine slant to them. Um, we have a sort of story of female friendship. Um, I, you, were speaking about sort of the dating world and owning that and, and speaking through a, a female lens again, um, dating and. Uh, Baby, which you know, or not, or not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that. So, um, tell me, tell me about your relationship to the story that you're telling. Is it personal? Is it something you saw going through your friends, or was it like this is an idea? This is an idea I have. Uh, well, ours is basically I went and I interviewed all these people who uh, use online dating apps. Grinder and Scissor and Brander and Snapchat and everything. <laughs> and uh, then I had puppets recreate the day. <laughs> and um, so it was really important for my producer and I, she's a woman, and uh, we really wanted to show a diversity female experience. And we wanted to show that girls can get online and act a little slutty and that's great and they have a ball and they pick up all these guys and they don't feel shit about themselves at the end, they feel great about themselves. Mm -hmm. But we also wanted to show diversity. We wanted to show gay girls picking up on uh, a lot of gay girls use uh, these uh, online gaming chat devices to pick up. And we wanted to show, uh, you know, Asian Australian girls online as well as, you know, a diversity of races who are using these apps. So it was really important for us not just to set up to tell female stories, but to tell like a diversity of women's stories online. Yeah, uh, as you said, mine is mostly about female friendship, and I've always been fascinated by that because I, I think a lot of the strongest and most long-lasting relationships in my life have been with my female friends, and I think it's just starting to change now in the media that female friendship is beginning to be celebrated in and of itself, like with Broad City and things like that. Um, but for the 
the longest time it felt like female friendship was only really shown as like the people you go to when you're not busy with your man who yeah. is the ultimate person. Mm -hmm. um, and so what we wanted to do in our season was flip that. And you know, our characters do have these love stories uh, that pop in and out, but ultimately the finale is that Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Saying that they loved each other, you know, and that, that was what we wanted to emphasize. Well, um, my husband and I met each other when I think I was 34 or 35, um, and Matt was 38 or 39. Anyway, it was like later in the game to meet your person, right? But so, I, you know, growing up, I was never a person that thought about my wedding. I was never a person who thought about having kids. And it wasn't that I didn't want to do those things, but I, it wasn't something that I dreamed about. Um, so it really surprised me that after Matt and I got engaged, everyone was like, when are you going to have a baby? Are we going to freeze your eggs? Like, are you going to adopt? And I was like, oh my god, like, I just, I just met this person. Like, already getting married is happening really fast. One milestone at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that people ask that just because they're excited for you, but when you're in your late 30s, it feels really intense because it's like, okay, it's kind of like do or die time. Like, you have to decide if, if you want to do this. Um, and then... Another reason I wanted to make this series is I believe that women are kind of being sold a little bit goods about this uh, egg freezing. And so I went to um, the doctor to tell her I wanted to freeze my eggs, even though that's something I, I don't want to do. So she's telling me about it, and she's like, you know, um, freezing eggs is is not, you're not guaranteed to have kids if you do that. Like, an egg is 99% water, so when you freeze it, when you thaw it, you know, there's not necessarily going to be anything left. So, and, and many times there is, but it's a possibility that there might not be. So it's much safer to freeze embryos. But if you freeze an embryo, then what you, I mean, these, these embryos could be people, or you could break up with your partner, and then, you know, what are you going to do? So I just think it's a lot more involved than, like, Google being like, hey, we'll, we'll do this for you. You sign your eggs away when you're 24, and then when you're 38, like, have babies. So mm -hmm. um, that was another major reason I wanted to write this series. Just, like, talking about these issues for real, in in a real way that, that women and men can watch the series and enjoy it as a series, but also get some real information from it. For, uh, so I'm an actress mainly in a creative voice series just to create content and uh, interesting characters for myself. So being a woman and Asian, I'm typically relegated to these one-dimensional uh, like minor characters, so like prostitutes and businesses <laughs> or whatever. So what I wanted to do was create a lead character who Never takes off her clothes. If anything, she's probably overdressed because she's a Pennsylvania Dutch Mennonite girl. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, she meets a guy, but it's not about him saving her. It's, it's just more like in New York, there's so many different characters and how people can kind of find a connection through the subway of New York City, no matter how different we are, because we kind of come here because we're all probably the sports and we want to come here to like, be where we like, don't feel like we stick out, you know? There's a really dreamy aspect to um, to your piece that I really enjoyed, and there was something to me 
that felt feminine about that. And there's actually, for, for everyone here, um, there's, there's a fluidity that I don't always see in like what you hear is like typical structure, that like definite act break. And again, a web series, so you don't have to adhere to those rules. Um, was that, first off, do you agree with my assessment? Second off, <laughs> um, was that a conscious choice? Let's go over this way. So the way I structured my episodes is that you always have a cold open with a strange event or whatever that happens somewhere. And seeing the rest of the episode um, is inspired whatever real story that I created for that old cold thing. Like we have you know, religious ranchers, you know, things that you typically see. And the rest of the episode follows these two characters, Mary and David. Um, and just sort of how they kind of like try to survive New York and kind of like end up like his body and kind of connection throughout the whole series. So we have like seven episodes, so it sort of like calls them like their friends, but do they become more sort of thing? And um, I kind of wanted to give this like sort of like heightened dream, like like because I you know I this is like love hate relationship with this like <laughs> you need it. I think it's pretty horrible and pretty wonderful at the same time. So, uh, so everything's like very bright and colors. I guess it's funny because like I also have like a lot of musical sequences and there's a lot of music uh, involved in it. These uh, real subway buskers. So I just think it's more like women in the sense that we're like it's it's a different aspect that you've ever seen. It's not it, 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 you see the complexity of people and there's a great deal of empathy in it for all the different characters, no matter how strange they are. And do you think that it was a conscious choice, or like, empathy is where you come from? Does that make sense? I feel like that's just part of who I am. Yeah. So, and I just love observing people, and I love everybody, and all the quirks. So, it's not something I like consciously put in there, I just, a part of me is always going to be a piece of it, no matter how different I kind of, right? The best thing you'll ever do, um, as far as structure, I remember reading an interview with Kristen Wiig when she was talking about writing bridesmaids, and she was like, I can't write a feature film, but I can write 20 sketches. And um, I had, I came from a writing and producing background that was like comedic music videos, so I knew how to make short, um, make short arcs. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll write five minute episodes. So that is where, um, the basic time frame of my episodes came out. But you're, I, I think that's really interesting that you're bringing up about, about They Feel Dreamy, mm -hmm. our, our series. And um, and I wonder for, I don't know for all women, but for me, I was, I feel like when you get to this point, like are you gonna get married or are you gonna have kids? you think about all of the directions that your life could go in, and, um, and I think actually probably that happens for a lot of women, because now that we can make a choice, it's not just like, hey, you have to get married to have babies. Um, you really like play that all out in your head. So that was how I came to those different kind of daydreams um, and actual dreams in the case. Yeah, I think what we wanted to do with emergency contacts is play around with different genres uh, because the idea was that both of our characters uh, had kind of lived these very sheltered lives until they came to New York and began living together. Like, my character was homeschooled all of her life, um, and Jane's character 
hated people, so she just, you know, didn't really interact. And so that we had absorbed and learned most about life from watching different TV shows and movies. And so we were constantly kind of trying to make our lives like those TV shows and movies. Like we have a, an episode where my character's just watched all of Sex in the City. So she's like, let's go out and have Sex in the City night. Um, and then it like breaks down, or there's the rom-com, or we kind of twist it and twist it again, or the sports movie. Um, and I think some of those genres especially are ones that like women have often been relegated to maybe like the rom-com and so taking that and pulling the rug out from underneath it exploring it and having was something we really wanted to do. I think uh, in terms of ours, in terms of the structure and the fluidity you were talking about, I found sort of the web series genre is so fantastic because you don't have to deliver like a 23 minute episode and I find maybe that fluidity ties in with the feminine potentially. I really loved because ours were all real interviews, so we would cut them down to whatever would sustain. So it was great if I could have a four and a half minute episode because I was like, you know, that's all it needs to be. It's better if it's short, but then a longer episode if you wanted to go into someone's emotions, into more details, and things like that. Who are um, your inspirations right now? Oh, when you mentioned Kristen Wiig, and I feel like Kristen Wiig was my sort of comedy awakening. You know, I remember watching her on SNL with the surprise party sketch where she just gets so silly. It's so silly, but like she does it so well. Um, so she was always somebody that whenever I saw she was doing anything, I wanted to watch it because I think she's so good at creating these characters and just fully inhabiting them and rooting them in humanity. And sometimes even like this deep sadness, but there's still so funny and watchable. Keeping it in the Yeah, yeah. People, and probably Amy, Amy Schumer as yeah. well in terms of her series. We kind of looked at it a little bit in terms of pacing about editing. I really liked her pace, and so we were sort of looking at that a little bit. But yeah, Tina Fey. Uh, I really like uh, an Australian series called The Catering Show with Kate Flannan. Um, and uh, they're just two really funny women. It's uh, sketch comedy. You get a chance to pick it up. It's great. Yeah, I was thrilled. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I was really inspired by a, a Canadian series called uh, Whatever Linda. Um, Hannah Cheeseman created that. And when I saw her web series and the production value that she was able to bring to it, and I said, okay, if this is possible for a web series, but this is what I want to make for, for our series as well. So as far as the web series person, um, she really got it. And then um, I just finished reading Amy Schumer's book. Jesse Klein has an incredible book called, oh my gosh, what's it called? Um, You'll Grow Out of It. And then um, Mindy Kaling's book is excellent too, as, as a woman who created her own work. Yeah. Of course, I love all those, but uh, definitely I want to give a shout out to Felicia Day and Mama Book Series. Yeah, I like researched all of her stuff, like how to find audience and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, I brought City Girls back in to give some in the month later because they're all women doing everything that they had done. Right. Um, again, putting on the spot, any behind the scenes stories, mm -hmm. like a moment where you were just like, this is my show. This is what it takes to get it done. <laughs> or funny, you know, go for it. But like, give us, give us a juicy. What's it like? What's it really like to be a creator? What are those moments? <laughs> um, 
Uh, so we have an episode that takes place largely in a bar, and Shane went and found a bar in her neighborhood that said we could film there in the morning as long as we were done by the time it closed. And so we were like, great, that's set. We set the date, we rented the equipment, all of that. We go in the day before just to confirm with them, and they're like, oh no, sorry, <laughs> just kidding. You can't film here. Um, oh, my oh my god. Yeah, so basically had to travel, well, Jane had to do most of this because I was on a plane. Jane had to like travel the length of Queens and just go into every bar and be like, can you please film here at some point over the course of the day? And finally, her friend was like, listen, I'm a regular at this bar. They never get crowded. I'm sure, I'm friends with the bartender, we can shoot here when it's open, and we'll just deal with it. Right. Um, so we go, and for whatever reason, that night is the night that everybody oh, decides so. to come to this bar. Oh, and yeah, there are like all these really drunk people in the corner just shouting and staring at us, and for trying to film this, we ended up having to ADR almost everything, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it was like exhilarating and wonderful. Mm -hmm. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bouncing off that, it's like that feeling of exhilaration of like, you know, we were shooting our very last episode, which is uh, Screening Next, and uh, it was this episode we were having, because obviously you've got the documentary side, this is a story, but creatively you can take it anywhere, and we had this great, beautiful story, this girl had really opened up to us. And uh, we decided that we wanted to do something weird with this one and set it in outer space, right? <laughs> and so this is like puppets in outer space. We're like, oh, there's this amazing brewery around the corner from our production office. We'll shoot there because it's got these huge aluminium domes. It's perfect. And so the day before I called them, I was like, same thing, just confirming. And they were like, no, no, you can't shoot here. There's been a mix-up. Never so, confirm anything. So the day of the shoot, we've got like, you know, three puppeteers, like me, the crew, everyone, and I found this other little brewery, and I rock up and it's awful. There's like water on the ground, it doesn't look like outer space at all. So like, it's that same exhilarating feeling. It's like, oh my god, we don't have any more money to shoot any other days, this is it. So I was like, screw the whole concept, it's not outer space, it's like in the city isolation, let's go into Melbourne City, let's shoot in the city with the puppets, it'll be fun. And, uh, and it's actually visually one of my favorite episodes. Oh, it's the one that's screaming? Yeah. It is so visually interesting. I would have yeah. never known that that wasn't a purposeful it's, choice. That's my favorite episode. Because oh. it looks like because we shot and shot and shot, because I didn't know what I was going to do with it. Yeah. And then I put it together in the suite. So, uh, yeah, it's that fly by the city of pants kind of mentality of web series that I love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, that's great. <laughs> Um, so episode two, we're, we're actually screening at three. Um, so we were supposed to shoot a date scene between Mary and David at a restaurant or somewhere, somewhere like that. We had a like a apocalypse. So that didn't happen. So we ended up having to do a montage where they do like a date sequence going through something. So we had to just adjust for that. So. Was it this one that just happened last winter? Like all the stuff put down. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Weather. <laughs> but it worked out because you guys picked it. <laughs> um, I really found this whole process of um, just like a great learning experience in trusting other people. Mm. Um, because with things that I would do on my own, like I would obsess and you know edit it myself and things like that, but. 
So just a couple things happened. Like, um, one of the, um, I had gotten an Airbnb because two of the actors were flying to San Francisco from New York. And um, I thought that they could stay in the same Airbnb because it was a house. And um, one of the actors arrived and was just like, no, no. And um, like, luckily, Matt was there and was was able to like find her another place to stay. So, and oh my gosh! And then there was also like this thing with allergies. I had locked down this like goat cheese farm to film an episode on. That I was so excited about. And then um, we found out that one of the actors was allergic to um, horses. And if horses had ever been on the land ever, we we couldn't film there. So, um, so it was like crazy things like that. Um, and just like trusting that it was all going to be okay, and that that your people were going to take care of you on your team. Right. Yeah, I think that's um, that actually brings up an excellent point because uh, you had said earlier that you know women are natural multitaskers. I definitely feel that way. I feel like you know, get it done. You know, I'll know how to get. Um, I'll know how to deliver. And then there's this world of collaboration. It takes a village to make a web series. You have to turn over something at some point, or it'll never get done. Um, so, can we talk about like what what were your, what are some of your favorite moments of collaboration? Um, my our favorite moment is definitely we. Oh, I love working with the scripts. It's so much fun. We get the puppeteers in the room. We get our associate producers in the room. Our producer, uh, even our production manager, loves to throw in ideas. And so we just read the script, and we sometimes completely invert what the interview's saying and put them in crazy places. And it's just a sort of really creative process. And it's great to have the puppeteers' input because they'll take it often somewhere filthy and disgusting, yeah. but it's great. And uh, it's just good to see you know, where everyone comes from, because they're throwing in completely different ideas and taking it to a place where, on my own, I could have never come up with those ideas. Uh, beyond all the moments when I got to work with Jane, I really loved, so we have been trying to find female editors and DPs to work with, mm -hmm. and it was hard because we didn't really have a budget, so we couldn't pay people what they needed to be paid, so we needed to have like a connection, mm -hmm. friend of a friend, or a friend would be willing to do us a favor, pretty much. Um, and we've been working with some awesome male editors, uh, and then we found a female editor who is Jane's cousin's really good friend, and like the first time she sent back the rough cut, of the episode that she was doing for us, Jane and I just kind of called each other up. We're like, oh my god, she's a revelation. It's amazing. And she was so on top of everything and like got back to us so quickly in her emails and everything we wanted, pretty much, she was able to do, sometimes with us telling her, sometimes without us even telling her. It's really cool. That's great. Yeah. I felt the same way when I met our editor in San Francisco. She just got it. She got that it wasn't totally a drama and that it wasn't totally a comedy and she let all of those moments be there mm -hmm. and and it created the arc of the four episodes it's she blew my mind and then also um, the woman who did all of the music for our series her name is Tiffany Topol um, she is a brilliant comedian she does all this stuff on um, snapchat and and Instagram, but she's also an incredible musician, and the music that she made like came from this seed of like 
1990s meets like present day glory. Uh -huh. <laughs> but like every time she would send me another track, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> so it was really fun to be surprised and happily surprised by her every time she would send a track. Um, so even though my web series is low budget, we ended up having over 200 cast and crew. Wow! And then over the thing, because it's an epic since for some of them, and, um, and that definitely takes collaboration with all these people. But it's all because they like really believed in the project. Like then that's when you're like not paying people very much, then you're gonna find the people that really want to work on your project. So it's um, I guess another. Thing is, um, so when I was searching for music, I was like for subway musicians, and I found this amazing subway musician, Kathy Greer, she's also a NYC seven year old, and she wrote my theme song. And so it was such an amazing collaboration with someone who's like so much experience and like performs at like Joe's Club or whatever to create this beautiful um, theme song. And she also wrote me a little song, which will be coming up like future. So, oh, and she's so about like empowering other women artists. Because she has a blog to interview with women artists. Yes, girl power. Um, speaking of girl power, assuming that we have uh, lady creators listening along with us, uh, what would be a few words of advice for someone who is thinking about making a web series, just kind of like in that can I do it space? What would you say? Listen to your podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, really, really. When I found it, I was like, "Oh my god, yes!" They're answering all these things <laughs> that I was like, "I don't, I don't know who to ask about this." Uh, I'd say um, be persistent and really believe in your idea. Mm. You know, there'll be times where you feel like maybe I'm mad in this like does anyone else believe in it but if you like you'll know in the back of your mind if you've got a good idea that's unique and a little bit different just hold on to it and be persistent and know that people are going to say no to you but don't get knocked by that just say oh this person didn't like my idea but I know it's good and just keep going and keep trying because uh, you know we got our series commissioned which is amazing but you know we pitched it to so many different people and they said no first so you just have to keep going and keep trying. Mm -hmm. And don't be like put down and think your series is shit or anything like that, you know? Yeah. I'd say digging piggybacking off of that, don't be afraid to be bossy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think in the first couple of episodes, Jane and I were kind of like, oh, we feel strange about, you know, laying down the law. <laughs> and we realized we would look back at emails that we were sending to our DP and stuff, and they'd be like, oh, if you think you can do this, please, you know, that would be great. And once we kind of realized, like, just be direct, you can still be friendly and everything, but if you want to do something, do it. <laughs> it really opened things up. Yeah, I was saying, why just do it? Sometimes we overthink things, and it like, takes forever. And, uh, I'm a perfect example of someone who had no idea what I was doing. I had no friends in filmmaking. I didn't know how to make anything. So I just did the research. And um, a lot of people told me I shouldn't be doing it or this is dumb or whatever. But as long as I just do it and just figure it all out later, there's the other like minded people, especially in New York City. Yeah. There's so many people who want to create. So just, you just have to find it. It takes time. But once you find that group, that's the group you'll be with forever. So. Amazing. Do we have any questions from our crowd for our lady creeps? Um, 
So some of you mentioned music. How did you all find your music, or um, what was it like licensing-wise, or uh, did you already have a vision of what you wanted the soundtrack to be, or did you collaborate with your sound person? I have a really unusual situation. My mom is a composer. So I had, uh, I had uh, the unusual thing, and I was just like, well, mom's going to do it cheap. She composes to big orchestras. So I was like, you can do my little web series. And she was great, you know? There were the occasional conversations where I'd be like, mm, really didn't like that song you wrote. And she'd be like, what do you know? She's like, what do you know about orchestral pieces or music like I do? And I'll be like, well, I'm sorry, but we can't use it, you know? Because uh, it, was, uh, it was like really interesting and really fabulous. She wrote some absolutely beautiful pieces for us. So I was sort of lucky like that. But I just say, use people you know. There's great musicians out there. You'll, you know, if you go through your friends list, you'll probably find that, you know, there's a lot of friends on there who make music, who want their music out there in the world, and who'll give it to you for free. Yeah, I totally agree. My day job sometimes is singing to babies, um, like a band of musicians. So I've met a lot of musicians that way. And one of them is this pianist who's just, his mind is incredible. He can improvise the coolest stuff. And so Jane and I would sort of go through and think about for the episode, like what we wanted, uh, what kind of songs we maybe wanted to spoof, like we had one where it takes place in a laundromat and we wanted like crappy Christmas music on in the background. So we were like, okay, friend, here are these terrible Christmas songs. Can we write stuff that's sort of like this, but then we don't have to pay for licensing <laughs> for it. We just go and do that together. Yeah, well, okay, so um, Tiffany wrote all of the music except except for one piece, and um, it's, it's during a montage. And I'll tell you uh, just some information that I learned. So um, we didn't even end up following through with this, but um, if you find an artist that you're like, uh, I, I want to use this person's music, but you know maybe they're maybe they're too fancy for my project, um, don't be afraid to still contact them. I contacted these people just like out of the blue, and um, the manager wrote me back, and um, she wanted to know the terms that I wanted to use it for. So just make sure that you, you say like um, internet, television, and festival. Say, say anywhere you can imagine your series going. Also say um, how long you want it for. Like I was nervous, and I was just like, I can only pay this much money, so I asked for it for two years and I didn't know that like well when those two years are up then you have to renegotiate and then what if they want like tons and tons more money so make sure you say in perpetuity when you ask and then you'll hear back from the manager once they say yes on their side and then it goes and then it goes to the other side which is like the people that own the rights to the music and I would just say keep emailing them because they will respond to you don't get because I would be like oh my god it's my project too small for, for these people but they ended up responding to me but I was persistent so I have a lot of music in my series and they're all from different sources so one is your friends that are artists um, whatever I wrote co-wrote a bunch of songs so one is um, like music theater, theater like in St. Paul's, so I was like, which of my musical theater composer your friends, and then I like try to find someone to do that. Um, then I needed in another episode, there's a K-pop video, so I needed to like find that track. So um, I used a lot of uh, royalty-free. There's like services online that you can use. Um, I used Kobe. I found like, the most reasonable, but you can find all different different out what your budget is, and they have different licenses, like you're saying, like internet or film or whatever. 
coordinator offer your music or create music for the series? And you know, Patrick luckily said yes. A lot of them said no, because you know, it also helps if you have like a website that looks professional, so they know like it's people ask them all the time, and if they think it's not going to go anywhere, it's not worth their time. So there are many sources to get it, but I would definitely ask your friends first. Okay, any questions from our group? Uh, what's, what's the one thing where you wake up, like throughout the whole life cycle of, of getting your workout, from the very first moment you're thinking about it, what's one thing where you get up and you're just like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> it's like there's one thing that I can't stand that I have to do that I don't want to do. <laughs> You know what? For me, it was kind of like I would wake up, I would wake up and I'd be like, "Oh my god, I have so many things to do," and I couldn't go back to sleep because of that. But honestly, even though some things were difficult, like finding locations is really difficult. Now, when I watch a television show, I'm like, "Oh my god, location, location!" Like so many, um, you realize how much that. So finding locations, I would say that is the most difficult thing. Um, everything else felt exhilarating. Mm -hmm. Thing I hate is the marketing of it. Like once you've made it, then you have to put it out and do the self promotion. I don't love that part. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, yeah, it's really hot. I really like the pre production, but I like the pre production creative. I didn't really enjoy the scheduling and the boring, which is terrible because you really have to pay it's attention to all that. <laughs> I have to. That's actually one thing I have to do is force myself to pay attention to the things that my mind says. Boring, I don't want to do it, or like budgets and things, but you really, I have to be like doubly sure of myself and triple checking because what I want to do is go out and talk to people about their online dating stories and design the puppets and find the locations and all the fun stuff, but you really have to make sure that the nuts and bolts are also locked in. I mean, I mean, the web series making was a big roller coaster. There were many tears shed. <laughs> there some days I'm like, I give up. I'm not doing this. And I'm like, oh wait, I crowdfunded this, so I can't. <laughs> so that, that was the motivation. She was like, I don't want to waste these people's money. And I'm like, that's like too motivated. And also, like, I just really believe in the project. So, and when we see that other people believe in it too, I think that would keep going. Time for one more question. Oh, um, I was curious because you know you're all uh, women who are putting your faces and your work out there on the internet, which can be a really unfriendly place for women at times. Um, have any of you had to deal with criticism of your work that felt um, gendered or um, harassment of any kind? Um, is that something that you think about when you're making your work, or that you had to cope with? And could you talk about it? What was that? Mm -hmm. I know when I was dealing with crew, some of the male crew were like, when you interviewed them, they were like, oh, I think that you're not really the boss. So <laughs> they'll try to like, go to my producer who's male and like, try to go around me, even though I make the ultimate decision. Again, that was really interesting. So, like, yes, when I'm interviewing, I see if they're like, trying to tell me how to do things, or like, I'm going to do it this way, even though I, I have a very specific vision of how I want things. Then I'm like, oh, this is not going to work. Mm -hmm. So then you have to find the right collaborators that are going to be respectful to you as a woman and also respectful of your vision. Yeah, well, I, I used to make community music videos and, on uh, YouTube. And this was probably like four years ago now. So I hope things have gotten better. But yeah, people would post some really just nasty stuff. But 
you know, part of me just knew that like those people are ridiculous, and um, it just it in that instance it didn't bother me. Um, people shouldn't say the things that they said, but as far I like, I just couldn't take it seriously um, myself. And I think we just like deleted the really nasty comments. Yeah, I think with emergency contacts so far, we haven't maybe reached a wide enough audience to get those horrible comments. Um, you know, I remember on one episode we had like one dislike on YouTube. I was like, yeah, it's probably a stranger. <laughs> done some comedic music video things, and especially now I've been doing some about the election, oh, right. and Hillary Clinton, and stuff like that. Uh, and so we've gotten a, a few nasty-ish comments on those. And I know I should just totally ignore them, but then sometimes I click on the profile to try to find out stuff about people, <laughs> which backfires sometimes, but sometimes I'm like, okay, all of your videos are just you playing video games, so I don't mind that you thought I think it's like horribly boring. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really uh, interesting question. And uh, I think that female creators shouldn't be put off by that. I think that definitely we get a harder time online. I think it's undoubtable. Um, and you know, you're always used to getting the occasional odd thing where someone will say they didn't like it, and you're like, that's fine. But uh, you know, I've been called a bitch online and things, and you're like, oh, if I was a man, why did they say the director's a bitch? Like, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense, they don't know me. So I think it's exactly what you said. It's like, you have to just disregard it. It has to be water up a duck's back, and you have to keep going with what you're doing. You know, you can't take any of that on board, otherwise none of us would be making anything. It's an, it's an interesting space right now, actually. My uh, last thing that I always like to ask in creator cast is to project into the future, because here we are positioned at a really interesting time. Digital uh, changes month to month, pretty much, right now. Um, so in your experience, slash there's no wrong answers, because who knows the future, what do you think is next for the digital slash web series space? I just think that they're going to keep getting better. Like, I, I think it's, it is such an exciting time to be a part of this because we're all still figuring out how to do it. Um, and there's so much to learn from everyone else's web series. So I think that the energy of people who are creating web series is a hungry one and a hunger to learn from others. So that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, I would agree with that. I also think I was talking to somebody recently about how various networks are starting to launch these digital platforms now. Um, and you know, instead of being like, okay, create a pilot that we're never going to show to anybody, they're like, create some content and we'll put it online. And if like let the world watch it, and if people like it, then maybe it can get turned into a TV show or something like that. I think that's a cool opportunity for people to manage to get your work in the door that way. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I think in the last year especially, I've been to quite a few web series events and I've noticed that the quality has just gone through the roof. Like it's much harder now to get your series in a festival because they all look really great. And I think it's the platforms that I hope are going to change next. Mm -hmm. I think people find it difficult, oh, where do I find a good web series? Where do I go to watch these things? And I just think we need platforms to come on and make themselves really known to everyday people 
so that when they are on the bus or the subway, they can watch their five-minute content on the way to work. And I, yeah, I hope that that's the next step. Really good quality platforms. Yeah, for me, I'm hoping that you know, I see it blending between TV and what series. It's like I mean, it's so what I'm hoping is that as the quality gets better, that we're going to start making money doing this for a series. <laughs> Monetization, yeah. you know, as more eyes get on it, we figure out how to you know, you know, figure out how what these clips are worth. Um, thank you all so much. Before we leave, I would just love for this will all be in the liner notes. Uh, if you can just say your web series and where we can find it. Uh, my web series is called No Strings Attached. You can't actually watch the current season, but you can watch Tales from Tinder, our first season on YouTube. My web series is called Emergency Contacts, and our website is www.ecwebseries.com. We also have a Facebook page and a YouTube channel. Was it our name in your series? Uh, series and where to find your series. series. Okay. Um, my series is called Best Thing You'll Ever Do. Uh, you can go to www.bestthingsseries.com and follow us on Facebook to uh, know when we're going to release, which is going to be soon. Product Thing, Summit Series, www.summitseries.com, or us on YouTube, and I'll link right next to <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you everyone so much for being here at our live event. CreatorCast is presented by Brooklyn WebFest. Brooklyn WebFest is an annual web series festival and online creator conference. Our goal is to highlight the best narrative storytellers online today and allow content creators and industry professionals an opportunity to share knowledge and create professional connections. Along with web series selection screenings, Brooklyn WebFest provides opportunities to meet and connect through a series of panels and educational workshops. This year, Brooklyn WebFest Season 2 was a rousing success with creators from all across the web series space coming together to share their work and connect with other creators. Our first female creator was Veronica Dang, the creator of Subway the Series. To find out more about her series and watch every episode, the series site is subwaytheseries.com. You can also follow the series on Facebook and Twitter to reach out and stay current with Veronica's series. Next up was Monica West, the creator of the web series Best Thing You'll Ever Do. The series homepage is bestthingsseries.com, where you can sign up for the series newsletter for alerts when the series comes online. You can also reach out to Monica and the series through Facebook at Best Thing You'll Ever Do, and through Monica's Twitter, Miss Moni West. Laura Hankin was our next guest at the panel discussion. She's one of the creators of the web series Emergency Contacts. You can find out more about Emergency Contacts through ecwebseries.com, where you can follow the series and watch every episode. The series also has an official Twitter and Facebook page, so reach out to them. And finally, our last guest on the panel was Emma Watts, the producer and director for No Strings Attached. You can find out more about No Strings Attached through greenbeanpictures.com and No Strings TV on Twitter. Check them out to watch the series. All music for CreatorCast is used under fair use and copyright. Today's selection was Miami Call by Hair Doctor. You can find more of Hair Doctor's songs at freemusicarchive.org. CreatorCast was created by Kit Williamson and Amanda Dequilla. Production and post-production for CreatorCast was supervised by Brian C. Capon. Hi everyone, this is Brian, the end credits voice and post-producer for the podcast. 
From all of us here at CreatorCast, we'd like to thank you all for listening. Unfortunately, with Brooklyn WebFest being done for the year, I am sad to say that CreatorCast will also be taking a hiatus. But not to worry, we are all planning on starting up another limited run of CreatorCast for Brooklyn WebFest Season 3 next year. We hope to find you listening once again, and we hope to see you next year at the festival.